Today's episode is sponsored by Estee Lauder, the nighttime skincare expert. We will explain what we mean in a bit, but first, let's get into the episode. You have to realize your limits. I've realized that when I push myself too hard, it doesn't serve me. It actually is so counterproductive because when you reach that burnout, you feel so empty and so you're not doing yourself any justice. And I think what I've learned is to have balance in my life and to really take time and prioritize time to protect my mental and physical health. I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived it. From the good stuff like hiring and growing a team. To the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the Skim from a Couch, so what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch? Today, we have Carly Kloss with us on Skim from the Couch. Since walking in her first fashion week at age 15, Carly has become one of the most famous supermodels in the world. She's been on the cover of Vogue over 40 times and has been the face of countless global campaigns. And she's also an entrepreneur. As an avid coder herself, Carly founded the nonprofit coding bootcamp, Code with Klossy. The program started with just 21 scholarships in 2015, and it has now grown to over 50 camps in 25 cities. And as if she wasn't busy enough, she's also the new host and executive producer of Project Runway on Bravo. Carly, we are so excited to have you here. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. Thank you so much for having me. Can I just tell you guys, I walked into your office today and I am so proud of you. Holy moly, when Thank I first you. met you, Thank like you. almost a decade ago, or what feels like feels five, like a few years, years ago. thousand yeah. years ago, <laughs> you know, you guys have come so far and you've built such an incredible Thank company. You. And as an avid skim reader and listener, I'm honored to be here. Thank Thanks. you. That's very kind of you. We're thrilled to have you. So we're going to start off the way we start off all of our podcasts, which is skim your resume for us. Yes. Well, I have a very nonlinear path. My resume kind of goes all over the place, but my career started, funny enough, when I was walking in a mall in St. Louis at the age of 13, and I was stopped and asked if I had ever been interested in being a model. And at that time, my, my life, my world was sports and school and ballet and being a you know, very tall, skinny, awkward Midwestern girl that no boy was paying any attention to. I was insecure. And the idea of modeling was so nothing that I had any kind of exposure to or insight. The fashion world was just not a part of my existence. So I had never considered it and was kind of surprised by um, somebody asking me if I would want to be a model. And Can I um, ask a question right there that I've always wanted to ask when you hear these stories? I would be like, this man is trying to kidnap me. <laughs> like, how did you not think this yes. is a scam? First of all, my sister right? was scammed. Yeah. So my sister had a similar experience. Oh when she, and she was asked to be a model. And she had to pay like $1,500 <gasps> to get headshots. It was it was a scam. It was the whole thing. And so I was super weary. And I was like, uh-uh, this is not yeah. happening to me. The people who had scouted me in the mall that day were very legitimate. And the whole thing that they were scouting for was a local charity show to raise money for a local family. So I was like, all right, sure, this is interesting. I'm 13 years old. 
at the time and I and I don't take it very seriously but I it kind of is in the back of my mind and I stay in touch with these agents and fast forward to when I'm 15 I come to New York for the first time it's the same week that I'm starting my freshman year of high school so 15 years old first week of high school and first time that I come to New York for New York Fashion Week and I don't plan on walking New York Fashion Week, but I get booked for this exclusive with Calvin Klein. And it's this crazy surreal moment where I'm walking, you know, in this show and immediately I'm kind of in front of all the top editors and photographers in the industry. And that puts me on the map. And that pretty much overnight started a very fast paced, intense career in fashion. So I go back home and I kind of am starting to figure out how am I going to balance this career because I have my agents on the phone saying Gucci and Milan wants to have you as an exclusive, you know, know, and they're going to pay you an obscene amount of money, you know, and then you're going to go to Paris after that and walk in Paris Fashion Week. And I kind of am... In this moment where I'm like, okay, and my, what am I going to do? And my parents really supported me and my teachers, my principal were really supportive and allowed me to kind of chase this opportunity. And I think that was really an important inflection point where I had the support behind me at home to allow me to pursue this because um, fashion is such a funny world. I don't think if I would have jumped at that moment if I would have let it pass, I don't think things would have happened for me um, in the way that they did. And so anyway, four years of high school, I was back and forth on a plane between St. Louis, New York, Milan, Paris, London, Russia, China, and kind of living this double life. You guys would get this reference, uh, Hannah Montana. Yeah, that love was, it. That was you were Hannah of, Montana. I had the best of both worlds. I had the best of both worlds because I was traveling between my little suburb in St. Louis, Missouri, and I had the best of this kind of small town adolescence, but then also exposure to all of this amazing travel that I was experiencing and meeting the greatest creatives in fashion or music or art or business. And my view of the world was really shaped through the through this time and through this experience. So before this person comes up to you in the mall, you're 13 years old, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? So I wanted to be a doctor or a kindergarten teacher. Those were the two career paths that I had envisioned because I love learning, I love science, and I love helping others, as cliche as that sounds. I always kind of wanted to be able to have skills that I could help other people. And I always thought a doctor, you know, no matter where in the world they are, can use these skills and tangibly help somebody else. Same thing with a teacher. And so that was kind of my life goal at 13 years old, as well as you can kind of know yourself or know what you want to do with your life. While I'm in this kind of really crazy, intense moment of high school and building this really fast-paced, intense career, I kind of, in the back of my mind, I'm always like, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. This modeling career, it's not a career. It's an after-school hobby. It's an interesting moment in my life, but it's not who I am. It's not what I'm going to do with my life. So my after-school hobby was like student government. <laughs> I want to start with your family. Yeah. Having all these adults, like mm-hmm. big name adults, being like, we're going to take your 15-year-old daughter to Milan, and then we'll probably have her like pose for us and, then, yeah. and you know, scantily clad stuff. What were their reactions? Well, first of all, my parents 
came with me everywhere, whether it was my mom or my dad or my grandmother or my aunt or my teacher or my neighbor. I mean, someone was always with me because I was 15 years old. And like you said, in these really intense situations, I was always really mature and always was very professional. I always saw kind of my role as a model in a very professional way. I was not interested in going to the clubs. It was a job for me. And my parents really were sacrificing a lot for me to be able to do this. You know, I have three sisters and we ha- it was a really intense time at home. I was very aware of how my entire family was really supporting me to be able to chase this dream. But anyway, so then those four years of high school, really crazy double life. And you have to understand this is before social media. Thank, I mean, thank God. Thank like- God. And I'm so grateful for that because I really did have the best of both worlds. I would go home to St. Louis. None of my friends had any idea, nor were they interested, about what was happening on the Chanel Couture runways <laughs> or, you know, in the pages of Vogue. Like, right. nobody was paying attention. Could you share any of it? Did you try to share any of it? So I have five amazing friends who are, like, my ride or dies. And we've known each other all, some since we were three years old, some since sixth grade. I mean, they were my nearest and dearest at my wedding. We are each other's chosen family, and I feel so lucky for that. And they were there for me in every way that they could be. They obviously also didn't have any kind of understanding, nor did I expect them to, but they were so supportive and just always, always helped me honestly just jump back into normalcy, like go to that lame party on a Saturday night. And I think because there was no social media, it really allowed me to be able to have a very normal teenage life. And I think that is why I'm sane and yeah. or somewhat. <laughs> You're sane. I've said enough time with you. You're sane. You're sane. <laughs> I'm very big on structure, and as you know, one thing that I always, always do every single day is take off my makeup before I go to bed. You know what I don't do every day? Take off your makeup before you go to bed. That's Carly. <laughs> it's disgusting. I want to clarify I that. Got it. I've gotten really good at it the last year. because Taking off your makeup? Yes. Yeah, because I feel like I'm getting older, and I'm becoming much more rigid about my night care and skin routine. So one thing that helps us is... <laughs> Estee Lauder's Advanced Night Repair Serum. Um, It definitely helps our skin from showing uh, that we were up late or did bad things, like didn't take off our makeup. Okay, it's not that bad. It's gross. Um, It helps you look younger, radiant, even more toned by repairing and renewing the look of skin at night and strengthening skin's defenses during the day. It's very, very strong. Um, so all you have to do is go get it yourself. Head in the store or go to estelauder.com to learn more. That's E-S-T-E-E-L-A-U-D-E-R.com. Start tonight with Estee Lauder's Advanced Night Repair Serum now. I think about you in those formative years. So mm-hmm. like 15 to 18, your high school years, and you are modeling and making it big time. There are two things that I really think about in that period of time that people usually go through. Mm. One is just self-images, your body, Mm. how you think about it. And the second is learning to find your voice and speak up. And the modeling industry, in my mind, doesn't necessarily stereotypically help with either. How did you start to 
Or did you start to feel good about your body and feel like you could find your voice in those formative years? It's been a real journey, let me tell you, in both of those categories, in finding my voice and in a healthy relationship with my body. You know, it's really interesting because I started at a time when models were really still seen and not heard. And it wasn't part of the job description to have a voice, to have views, to have perspective. Nobody was interested necessarily in that. And it wasn't until social media really gave everyone a platform that I was able to really start showing who I am and showing what I think and what I stand for, separate from the kind of canvas that I was for a designer. And for me, that was really powerful and really empowering because it allowed me to be able to explore that, like find my voice. You know, I think this all kind of happened in my teenage years, early 20 years, where you're really you're searching, you're, you're figuring it out in real time. You know, I wanted to really reflect who I actually am. And that took confidence to, in a, in a funny way, be myself. Because as a model, you're kind of trained to think, or I certainly thought I was trained to, to be what everyone else wanted me to be. You know, an editor would say, jump, but I would say, how high? You know, or just the job required you to be what everyone else expected from you. And so to be different, I was honestly a little bit afraid to show my nerdy side, to show that I was different. And on the body image side, let me tell you, I... So I started, like I said, when I was 13 in a mall. You're like, like not I, even, you don't even have a body. Yet. I don't yeah. have a body. I am so insecure about yeah. the fact that I'm, I don't have a body. I would give anything for curves. You know, I grew up on the runways through those years from 15 to 18. While I'm kind of living this double life, my body is changing. And that's a really uncomfortable time anyway as a human being yeah. when yeah. you're growing yeah. into your body. Your body's changing. You can't control that. But then also your job depends on that. Yeah. That was a really intense pressure that I felt. I felt the scrutiny of not getting a job because my hips all of a sudden were two inches bigger than they were last season. And getting canceled from shows getting canceled from jobs because of slight small changes that I couldn't control. That really was a moment where I took stock in what I can control. And what I can control is my physical and mental health and investing in myself. I really started to change my eating habits, not because I wanted to lose weight, but because I wanted to be able to feel good in my body. I wanted to have good energy. And that also meant investing in things that no one could take away from me, including my education. Well, so I want to talk about that. You're an industry veteran at this point. You took a coding class. Why? So I'm 19 years old. And on paper, I've really I've, in a weird way, kind of accomplished everything I set out to. I have a beauty contract. I'm on contract with Victoria's Secret. The most successful woman in my industry was Giselle. What did Giselle do? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to emulate what she has done and her career decisions because that is what success is. And what I've learned along the way is that somebody else's picture of success is not the only way. Yeah. That is not necessarily your right way. And I think on paper, I had everything I had ever hoped for. But I felt in a really ironic way, really unfulfilled and really unchallenged and really empty because, you know, I think the lifestyle of being a model can be really lonely because you're on a plane, you're in a hotel room by yourself for weeks and weeks on end. And it can be really isolating. And beyond that, I just felt really 
unfulfilled and disappointed in myself because I knew there was so much more of who I am and what I'm interested in and what I'm capable of. Like, you know, my interest in my education, in business. Coding was really this interesting skill set that I at this time was was starting to become aware of coding as like this abstract concept of like, oh, people who know how to code, the founder of Instagram, the founder of Facebook, the founders of Google. How did they build these, you know, transformative businesses with code? And I'm kind of at this really this pivotal moment where I'm searching for more and I decide to take a leap of faith which was not popular at the time, I decided to go back to school. And did, my agents think I'm crazy. Well, so what, did your, what did your family think? And did you yeah. have model friends at that point? And were they like, what are you doing? Christy Turlington was, and still is, my my idol, my mentor, yeah. my friend. And she was the person who I had the confidence because of her support and because of and seeing, she went back to school too. She did that when she was 25. Um, so I talked to her at length about it before I made this decision, but she really supported me. She actually wrote my recommendation oh letter my to NYU. I love um, but, that. but she went to NYU and, you know, and fully stopped modeling and still, I mean, for decades has continued to have an extremely successful career and made real true impact on this planet using her platform and her voice. And that's what I've always aspired to and really admired so much. So, I, I met you right when you went back to school. So, yes. And which is crazy. It's so it's crazy. A long time ago. But I remember we, we met up for coffee, actually coffee and cupcakes because we both have a sweet tooth. <laughs> yes. But you left the meeting to go to a class. You had to register for your classes. And I remember walking back to my office being like, this is so funny that this like, you know, world supermodel is going to register for classes, which we've all, you know, had that experience if we went to college. What I was really struck by meeting you, you know, when we met a few years ago was that you were very obviously curious. You had lots of questions and clearly it was very obvious you like to learn. When you are someone who's curious, you ask a lot of questions. And that is something that requires confidence and Mm -hmm. it requires admitting what you don't know and it requires putting yourself on the spot. It can be really hard to admit the things that you don't know or can feel embarrassing or raise imposter syndrome feelings either in a classroom or in an office. And so when you went back to school, Mm. how did you deal with that? I mean, I'm sure people in your classes were like, oh, my God, I'm sitting next to Carly (laughs) Kloss. You know, how did you deal with not being the star Yeah. Well, you mentioned imposter syndrome, and that really strikes a chord because that's something that I have felt at so many stages of my career and my life. You know, I think even when I was kind of having this success at a very young age in my fashion career, I felt imposter syndrome. I felt unworthy of that success, you know, which I think is something that I've really worked hard to work through where that comes from and how to get that out of my head. And this kind of imposter syndrome, being in a room with extremely accomplished executives or business entrepreneurs or, you know, this idea of feeling insecure, which we all do, but not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy to be in that room in that seat at the table is something that I've really had to work to overcome. And I am genuinely a very curious person to a fault. I mean, I ask a million and one questions. And I think the confidence to do that is because I, A, feel grateful to be in the room. And I think getting over that kind of fear of feeling like an idiot and feeling like the dumbest person in the room, I I feel like I take advantage of being in the position to learn from the people around me. And, And I really challenge 
anyone out there listening to do that. I challenge you to speak up and to ask questions because that's the way that I've learned. And I, you know, I think because I'd never had a formal education in a way that I would have liked, that has always been a source of insecurity for me. And I think that that always fed into this kind of imposter syndrome, which is why I was so motivated to go back to school to kind of prove to myself that I could do it, to prove to myself that I was smart, that I was capable of getting an education and gaining that respect for myself. That's really what going back to school in a funny way was, was this kind of overcoming that imposter syndrome and proving to myself that I was worthy, I was smart, I was capable. And let me tell you, it was awkward. It's going to class for the first day, for the first semester. One, you're recognizable, but two, like you're very tall. You can't just yeah. sneak in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I stick out. And I also am a few years older at this point than all the other freshmen coming in. It is awkward. Like, did you have and a homework buddy? I did. And oh my gosh, by the way, there are basic skills that I never really learned like because what? I was like using Google Docs, yeah. like being able to work on a project with your That's peers. Funny. But like I was so insecure about the fact that I have, you know, investments and I have a, right. a profession yeah. and a full time job and, you know, and flying business class yeah. to Europe. And yet I'm so insecure about the fact <laughs> that I can't figure out how to use Google Docs to work on a team project. I love that you just shared that. Thank you. Uh, uh, so embarrassing. When you think about yourself now, if you have to, you know, you're going to a conference, they ask you to fill out what is your profession. What do you put in first? I used to put student. I really love to put entrepreneur. So let's talk about you as entrepreneur. What is Code with Classy? Thank you for asking. Code with Classy is my nonprofit organization where we run free summer camps for girls to learn how to code. And all of this started because while I applied to NYU and I was waiting to hear back if I got in and I'm at this soul searching moment of wanting more, wanting to learn more, wanting to you know keep challenging myself to grow, I keep meeting all these entrepreneurs who have built businesses using code and they're engineers and they're coders and it's this abstract concept to me of what is code yep. <laughs> and I and I being the kind of curious person I am I use my time off in August and I go to a coding boot camp and I meet this amazing teacher and I learn the basics and of of how something is built from the back end the front end and be able to kind of understand high level what code is and how to use these skills to take an idea and bring it to life. And what I really learned is that code is the language of now and the language of the future. And there are not enough young women who have access to learning this language and learning this skill. And I looked around the classroom that I was learning in and there were mainly guys. Yeah. And then I kind of looked at the industry at large and started to become aware of the fact that there are mostly men in tech, and that is a reflection of the fact that girls aren't encouraged to go in this direction and they don't have access points to learn these skills. It's starting to change, and this was five years ago. Well, I want to congratulate you on what you've done, which is it's an extraordinary program that I think highlights one of the things that, you know, we as female founders in the tech space, we're on many panels, we're a part of many groups who constantly talk about how do we get more women at the table? How do you get more women to be the sources of capital? How do you get more yes. women to be the sources of talent for product and tech leadership? And we talk about it's a systemic problem. 
And you're really going at ground zero, if you will, of how to treat that systemic problem, which is access point and really bringing this into them, into these young girls as early as possible so that they are the, the people in the room doing this. Absolutely. What are you like as a businesswoman? What are you like in a business negotiation? What's your business style? <laughs> well, first of all, you guys are trailblazers, and it's been amazing to watch you sincerely you. since that day we met for coffee and cupcakes. <laughs> Just the, the empire you've built and the community that you've built that's so powerful and that you've galvanized through your own curiosity and through identifying you know, a voice and a community that was not being spoken to in, a, in the way that you guys are. And Thank I really you. am Thank very you. inspired. I am kind of serious you know not because I'm trying to be something I'm not I take my business seriously and I'm really passionate about what we're doing and I really believe it is a systemic problem and the only way to change that is to go to the the root of the cause code with classy what we really focus on right now is 13 to 18 year old girls across the country who are in underserved communities or cities, which is where we've actively chosen to run our summer camps, and to reach these young women at this pivotal moment in their life where they're deciding who they think they can be, what what they might be interested in, and what doors are closed to them. Studies show this is really that kind of turning point where girls decide what they think they're capable of and what they're not. And I think that is such a, a powerful, important moment to reach them, to teach them these skills, to show them that they are capable of doing anything they set their mind to. And I mean that not in some cliche way. I mean that genuinely. We've seen real results and impact in the young women in our community, in the in their lives, reaching them at this pivotal moment, giving them access to these skills. And also the community piece of this is so key. I mean, I think each one of us knows when you are learning something hard, but you're experiencing it with others, there's something really powerful that happens. There's a confidence that's really the byproduct of Code with Classy. There's a, a self-realization that happens with these young women who realize that they can truly do anything and that, you know, especially with these skills, you can build anything and you can use coding to build ideas and bring them to life, whether they're, you know, it's entrepreneurial and you want to build a business or you want to make social impact. And these girls are so young, but they take these skills and they immediately apply them to problems that they're experiencing in their life. So you've become a mentor to your Code with Classy scholars, obviously. And your scholars also act as mentors and have developed a network to support each other. Traditionally, people think of mentors as someone older or towards the end of their career. And I really think one is that in our journey, that's been upended. Mm. And I love how that has started to change the idea of a mentor, even within the Code with Glossy community. How do you start to think about that role of mentorship? It's, you know, exactly what you said. I really didn't think I was old enough, wise enough, experienced enough to be anybody else's mentor. You know, I kind of had this realization that you don't have to have it all figured out to be able to take on that title. The scholars in our community mentor younger girls, a mentor of one another. I mean, it's this idea of mentorship in my mind is is really more just this, this connection, this support in helping someone else through whatever they're going through and, and sharing experiences. And, you know, we have a lot of our scholars who come back as in instructor assistants and are in the classroom helping their peers learn our curriculum and, and go through our program. These young women have this spark ignited for them and 
are inspired to help others ignite that spark. So when I think about you today, it's like Empire Builder, you are also the host and executive producer of Project Runway. I mean, like, how do you avoid burnout? I follow you on Instagram. You're on a plane all the time. You never look bad. Like, how oh, are you? <laughs> that's because that, that, maybe I should share more of those moments where I look bad, because that's often. Um, you mentioned burnout, and that is something that I feel really strongly. You know, I want to communicate to anyone out there listening that you have to realize your limits. And I think being an ambitious young woman in particular, and somebody, you know, I can speak for myself, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I've realized that when I push myself too hard, it doesn't serve me. It actually is so counterproductive because when you reach that burnout, you feel so empty and so you're not doing yourself any justice. And I think what I've learned is to have balance in my life and to really take time and prioritize time to protect my mental and physical health. And, and whether that's going for a run or meditating or not feeling guilty about taking some time off because I need to just be with my family, I need to be with myself, I need to be with my husband. I felt guilty for a long time by prioritizing myself. I felt like, you know, and this was especially early on in my career where I just felt so grateful that all this was happening and there are millions of girls out there that would be dying to be in this position, to have a career in the fashion industry. And I felt like I couldn't take my foot off the gas pedal because if I did, someone else was going to come in and steal my spot. And you know what I realized is that if I want to be doing this and being the best version of myself, no matter what industry that's in, for decades to come, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And you really have to take time to take care of yourself and, and find that balance, which at 27 years old, I feel like I have more so than I have ever, ever had. It's just is incredible to think about what you have accomplished before the age of 30. What are you working towards now? What is your motivator? What's driving you now? I feel so ambitious. There's so much more I want to do. I mean, I, I feel like I've already lived a few lifetimes, yeah. um, but I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of all that I want to build with Code with Glossy, with supporting our community of young women and scaling what we're doing to be able to reach more young women and to be able to support them in realizing their fullest potential. You know, for me, I feel like things have happened in my life for a reason, and I take that responsibility to heart. You know, with Code with Glossy, I'm got big, big plans, big dreams for continuing to build that out. And I think in my fashion career, you know, I, I love the industry that I work in. I love being able to work with all these brilliant creatives. You know, I have such respect for, for the craft and for the industry that I'm in. And I want to be in it for a long time. But I also want to have a really meaningful personal life. You know, I want to have a family. I, I love kids. I'm excited for that chapter ahead. And I feel so grateful to have a really supportive partner. My husband is an incredible man. I feel so grateful to have him as my partner in life. On that point, one of the things that I thought was really interesting that you mentioned is that you had to get okay with realizing that your definition of success could be different than someone else's. And yeah. I think in today's age of thinking through what you see in the media, especially on social media, mm. seems to point you in one definition of success. And I think for a lot of people listening, there are many paths to that. How do you define success now with the caveat that I'm sure it'll change? Totally. I think the industry I'm in, you're constantly being compared to your peers. We as 
women compare ourselves to one another all the time. And it is so destructive and it is so just unproductive. I mean, the amount of time we waste trying to, you know, feeling bad about ourselves because we're not good enough, this enough, that enough. And that took real discipline for me to stop feeling bad because I'm not as good as somebody else at something, but actually turn that eye to myself. And what can I do to be the best version of myself, to be smarter, to be stronger, really to work on myself as opposed to trying to compare myself to anybody else. And I know that's so cliche, but it is so true. And I think, you know, social media is an amazing thing, but it kind of serves you the best of everybody else's life on a platter. And it's really easy to look at that and feel really empty about your own. And and I think you just really have to take a step back and just put that eye on yourself and what you can control. That is a great way to transition to the most difficult part of the show, the lightning round. (laughs) Okay, we're going to do rapid fire questions. Okay, first job. Babysitting. Worst job? I was a waitress in summer and I was terrible. (laughs) Can you skim your nighttime routine for us? Always a glass of water before bed, sometimes with a seed probiotic. And I'm extra careful to remove every little bit of makeup. And after that, I use a ton of advanced night repair serum from Estee Lauder with special attention to really hydrate and moisturize the skin under my eyes. First call when you get good news. My mom. What about bad news? My mom. (laughs) (laughs) When was the last time you negotiated for yourself? Honestly, I feel like I'm on the phone with the airlines all the time, like (laughs) negotiating. No, no, no. I need, you have to get me on this flight. (laughs) Yes. I understand that. When was the last time you cried from stress? All the time. Um, but probably, so I'm still a part-time student. And uh, I every time that I there's like a midterm or something, I get really <laughs> I still have nightmares stressed. that I'm due for my finals. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't study. So I completely commiserate. The worst. What's your biggest vice? I have such a sweet tooth, hence the cupcakes. So anything sweet. What's your favorite show you've walked in? Oh, that I've walked in. So, so many. Uh, John Galliano Dior shows were my absolute favorite, but also Oscar de la Renta was a, a friend and a mentor and somebody I learned so much from. And I really feel so lucky I, I got to walk in so many of his shows. I've never been able to ask a model this. When you're yeah. walking in a show mm-hmm. and you have to look very serious and you're doing your walk, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about not like stepping on somebody's toes or tripping or have you ever fallen? I have. I've fallen. And it's so embarrassing. It's on the Internet. I fell at a Fendi show, um, Uh, which was really not. Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Craziest place you've ever done a photo shoot at craziest place I've ever done a photo shoot. I was sitting on the edge of a volcano in Nicaragua for the cover of New York Times Magazine. Oh, same. Okay, Carly, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much. You guys are amazing. Thank Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra. 